Hi, Eddie here. Red and I have used Zencaster to record all of our episodes of Punk Rock Elite because it's easy, browser-based, and it gives us separate tracks that are easy for me to edit. It can also be used for 4K video too. Maybe we'll try that one day. It's really easy to use. It can do a lot of the editing for you, clipping out your ums and ahs, and adding an EQ to bring out the best in your voice, all from a single website. If you want to make a podcast but aren't sure how to go about it, then Zencaster provides everything you need to record, edit and distribute your new show to Spotify, Apple and a ton of other places that people get their podcasts. Go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use our code PUNKROCKELITE and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs it's time to share your story. Punk Rock Elite, a podcast about no effects. Punk Rock Elite podcast back. Again, I'm Eddie French. I'm here with uh, me, Red Redmond. That's so you know what we both sound like. Uh, because and, and we sort of, I feel like we have to almost reintroduce ourselves. Uh, mm. It's because it's been a very peculiar last few days. Yeah, we've seen some nice, a uh, little bit more engagement on the uh, on the the analytics. Yes, and um, if you are brand new or this is the first episode to be released since you've become aware of us, hi, welcome. Uh, please do make yourself as comfortable or uncomfortable as you'd like. Yeah, get get your Rudy on or your Snuggie, uh, maybe, maybe your favourite blanket, chill out. We can tell what sort of a mood Red is in today. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, fine. Yeah, if you want to do that, yeah, get get uh, do all of that stuff. Um, uh, no effects, or certainly whoever runs No Effects's Instagram account on their behalf knows who we are now. Yeah, absolutely. We've had a a, a few of our episodes like like shared. No effects have recently commented on one of our posts all, all positive stuff that, that yes. no, no cease and desist as of yet nothing that could indicate any kind of legal problems for us whatsoever <laughs> so um but we have recorded we've recorded every uh, our reactions to every single record already and we're not going back so mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> see how fond they are of us in the future but- uh, yeah, if you're if you're here because no effects shared us to one of their stories, and we got my phone battery ran down quite quickly that day because constantly getting people um, liking stuff, um, following us on Instagram, we smashed the record of the number of downloads in a single day so far, which is amazing, like f- way beyond what we'd had before. I mean, double our the top end of our average so thank you if you've uh, contributed to that um punk rock elite podcast at gmail.com is the best way to get in touch with us or you can talk to us under one of our instagram posts welcome we are thrilled to have you and it is really really weird <laughs> we've had a couple of um sort of high points you know we've 
we've spoken to uh, you know uh, Karina Danike of Dancehall Crashes and No Effects. We've spoken to Frank Turner. You know, we've had all sorts of remarkable things happen, and this is it's, another one. It's just sort of lovely to be introduced to more No Effects fans because that's what we are first and foremost. Uh, we are No Effects fans. We're here to talk about one of our favorite artists, and mm. it's great to. Being connection with so many other people that you know ha- have the same interest. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. It's um, I I still think that we're the only dedicated no effects podcast because mm-hmm. I've been having a look around. I found a, a rancid one called the Eleventh Hour that I've been listening to a lot over the past few days, like an what? unreasonable amount. I'd say, like, by the time there is another NoFX podcast, we will have probably reviewed everything that NoFX has released. So at at that point, we might be a a slightly more generic, uh, overreaching punk podcast. We might do. We'll probably be still from the prism of um, that sort of 90s, noughties uh, punk rock. Um, It's... um... Because yeah, we've we've, we've started we to that. you know like review things like we did uh, Rancid's Let's Go. Yep. Um, we've got yep. another one of those in in the pipeline where we we've, yep. we've been calling them peer pressure, where we review uh, you know artists adjacent to No Effects that were releasing material at a similar time to a No Effects record, so we can kind of cross compare. Um, all really interesting stuff if you if you're fans of punk rock. Yeah, absolutely, and particularly the era. The, I mean, obviously, no effects. The reason we started it because forty years, and they've gone okay. No more touring for us. That's that's a forty year stretch mm-hmm. done. So obviously, saying contemporaries of no effects, people have come and gone, all that kind of thing. But we're yeah. that's what we're doing. Thank you to all of the people who have already been listening to us and know all of this. We appreciate that. But we're doing a little quick. Um, intro for all of our our new listeners our new friends so thank you ever so much for that so we've got all sorts of cool stuff coming up uh on the way to uh, before we have our little christmas break which uh, we'll all be enjoying so what have you been up to red oh i've been super busy uh busy working on some things that i can't actually announce yet um for, for newer listeners i work in uh the comedy industry not only as a comedian but also book some shows and I'm an agent to a small roster of comedians. Um, We might be, basically we're planning some tour stuff. I can't say with who and I can't say when or where, um, but we're hoping to be touring in 2024, um, taking some acts on the road and just super busy with the organization of all of that. That's exciting. And I will endeavor to find out what that is after we've stopped recording and not tell any of you. So when Red does announce it, I can go, knew that. And and what is more punk than that, I ask you, dear listeners. So, What about yourself, Eddie? What have you been up to? Um, not as much as I'd like. I'm still working on that show. I'm still adding stuff to the show, Poser. Um, but I'm Which pleased. Is, it, it's a stand-up comedy about punk rock, you know. That, that's uh, it includes punk out. rock, and specifically my my relationship to it, um, and other stuff, and my relationship to it, and just <laughs> how much one can feel like a poser when you're told you are one often enough, <laughs> and that I probably am to some degree or another a poser, but so are you. 
And if you want to hear that, but over an hour with jokes in it, come <laughs> and see me. Uh, so, yeah, that's been exciting. I've been doing uh, a lot of new material uh, nights, thanks to the people at Leeds Comedy Project. If you ever get the chance to go and see a Leeds Comedy Project, and given that they do three gigs a week in the LS postcode, it's pretty easy to track them down. But, yeah, Leeds Comedy Project, I do there quite a lot. They're very, very, um, very, very good to me. Uh, with the amount of time they give me, and they don't mind if I try brand new stuff each time. <laughs> and brand new stuff is is a gamble with pretty poor odds a lot of the time. <laughs> brand new stuff, I mean, you know. Even the second or third time, it's usually been brushed up a bit by, by the act, but, you know, so we'll find out. But... Um, well, I don't think we're going to keep you waiting because I think we talked for a while about today's record. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you want to hear the last time we have anything nice to say about no effects, uh, cherish this rec. No, um, it's not. <laughs> spoilers. I know, spoilers. Um, I, I'm doing it for the meme, Red. It's something I've learned. Um yesterday's first ditch effort, which is, uh, it, which is wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. But, but we say um, that really close to the top of our chat. We don't really hide. We don't bury the lead here. We're very much on on for this. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think this is a good one to jump on at if uh, if this is your first um, foray into punk rock elite. I think I don't know if I mentioned this, so I might pop it in here. I feel that first ditch effort gets slightly overlooked because. People who were like, oh, I enjoyed them in the 90s, or what have you, very much dropped off by this point. And I think that this one can go head-to-head with Wolves or um, PID or or any of those heavy hitter albums. Yeah, yeah. Really, really do. Um, And you'll get to hear the two of us enthusing about this. (laughs) Uh, throughout so we won't keep you we'll uh, jump right in and we'll see you on the outro first ditch effort yes 13th album unlucky for some Mm. uh, by the punk rock band no effects i'm just reading this straight from wiki released on the 7th of october 2016 oh wow it was it's longer ago than i thought it is a little bit we did have a pandemic in between yeah there's something i've often wondered i've yet to read it but the comedian james acaster has an obsession with the music from 2016 oh right yeah he wrote a book about he i think he had a breakup and he just decided to listen to every album that was released in 2016 and he wrote a book about it uh-huh. And I want to know if he listened, if I assume he did listen to this and what he thought of it. Yeah. Because he seems to like a lot of stuff that is kind of indie, jazzy, sort of not like this, basically. Mm. Uh, likes a sort of a lot of like lo fi, hip hop y kind of stuff from the sounds of it and, and the music that he's made and stuff like that. So yeah, I thought it would be interesting. But every time 
mentions mentions it. I'm like, there was a No Effects album that year. I would be interested to know, but we we may never know. If you've heard him mention it, then you know, do let us do let us know. So, first things first, the production on this by somebody called Cameron Webb and Fat Mike. Uh huh. Which means it wasn't uh, Bill Stevenson of no. the Descendants who did. Uh, Wolves, I think, and was it self-entitled? I think he did the stuff either side. Yeah, he did that one. I think he and he comes back, and I think they record with him later as well. Uh, but for some reason, just on this one, they didn't do. Uh, they didn't go with him, which is uh, interesting. Apparently, I'm just looking here on Discogs, Cameron Webb. Received an engineering Grammy due to his work for Kelly Clarkson. Okay. So, uh, let's have a look. Uh, he produced the Aquabats, Poor House, No Knife, uh, Strive, Jet Lag, Near Miss, gosh, Zebrahead, possibly Zebrahead, sure. Social Distortion. Oh, he did a Motorhead uh Thing in 2004 mm. so he's done uh he's, he's, he's done a lot but uh not as big not as sort of a uh, big name as uh as some because I, I think the production on this is fucking great yes one of my one of my favorite sounding no effects albums i think it's uh really really brilliant uh yeah so that's that's one thing that stands out about this album. So I thought I'd get that out of the way first. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it's about just over half an hour long. There were three singles released: Six Years on Dope," "I Don't Like Me Anymore," and "Oxymoronic." Yeah, and there is a lot of extra people on here, lots of extra credits. So Johnny from Old Man Markley does the harmonies on this. Okay. Uh, not all of them, because uh, Hefe is credited with vocals um, as well as uh, Melvin. So you know, be some sort of blend of blend of all of them. Oh, Karina Danike, drink everyone. Uh, she's she's quite quite showcased here. You can hear her on Sid and Nancy, and I'm so sorry, Tony. Uh, sounding great. There's Joey Joey Balls. Okay. <laughs> Plays piano on Sid and Nancy, I Don't Like Me Anymore. Matt Garney plays keyboards, California Drought. Fletcher from um, Pennywise does backing vocals on Transvest Light. Mm. Brian Baker of Bad Religion and Black Flag does lead guitar on Deadbeat Mom. Uh, Bye Bye Biopsy Girl starts off with that little guitar and sax intro. That is by Lewis and Toku who were two street performers that Mike saw outside somewhere and then just brought them to his house and recorded them doing the intro and put it on the beginning of the song. Sure. Because. And then Generation Z has a ton of people on it. Chris Shiflett of Foo Fighters. Oh, yeah. Plays lead on it. Darius Koski from Swingin' Utters plays viola. 
Uh, Chris Matheson does keyboards. Uh, Darla Burkett, who is Fat Mike's daughter, does backing vocals. Mm-hmm. Fiona Sly, who is Tony Sly's daughter, does backing vocals. And Sidra Hitchin, who I think, if I remember correctly, is Fat was Fat Mike's stepdaughter. Stepdaughter? No. Yeah. Yeah, stepdaughter uh, from his marriage to Soma Snake Oil was the is the person who reads the poem on it that's lovely so yeah so that they were there were a lot of people around during this recording uh extra extra people i think it's also notable because i think mike was not sober when he recorded this oh okay that's interesting yeah because he said that he normally records totally straight totally clean and with this one, he didn't, but he was having some problems. So there you go. So overall, what are your first impressions, Rad? I think it's really, I mean, I've, I think I've said on this podcast before, I think this is a great album. I would argue that this is potentially NoFX's last great album. Um, yep. Looking at the, you know, like the, the, the people who have played on here, I'm... I'm surprised that Karina didn't do any keyboards on this. They seem to have used a lot of other keyboard players, but nice mm. to know that she has been used in the vocals. And you can definitely, like, I, I, I definitely like noticed her vocally on Sid and Nancy. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so that's nice to get, you know, some sort of like uh, no effects alumni in here. Um, but this, I, was I th- all, this was also the year that she sort of officially joined the band, right? Sure, that as, makes sense. As, as a part of it. So, um, so I don't know whether that was before or after or during this period, but yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Hmm. But um, I think basically everything on this album is head and shoulders above self entitled, which we did recently. I would yep. probably argue there's like five, maybe even six songs that are better than every track on self-entitled <laughs> put together yeah um and yeah i just think it's really great and i think what's really good about this is like you you get what i normally like from a no effects album which is a lot of variety you get their silly songs you get their heavy songs you get their poignant songs mm. um i think it's got a really nice mix on it absolutely yeah it really does it's stylistically doesn't show off everything because there's no sort of scar or reggae but there is sort mm. of slightly jazzier laid backier sounds on it so there are it's not just sort of permanent onslaught of of hardcore they just like i think there's just like really interesting flourishes throughout like nothing i found self-entitled a bit sort of like droning in that you know like it would be someone playing a pretty regular riff into another pretty, like a regular verse into a regular chorus, but this, like they, they change it up. There's a lot uh, of extra instruments being added. Um, yeah. it, 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 it never bores me. No, no. Uh, everything skips along at a really quite a fast lick. Yeah. Even though there's, there's a couple of songs that break the three minutes. Uh, the last one is five minutes long. Mm-hmm. But everything else is, you know, sweet little two minute, one and a half minute kind of thing. So, 
and, and one of and, the, the longer songs on here, I'm pretty sure, is both of our like least favourites. Yes, yes. That's not to say this is uh, a perfect album. No, of course uh, not. I don't think such a thing uh, would exist, and it would be very strange to produce one. It's interesting uh, that there was four years between this and Self-Entitled, mm. and normally you get a full length from no effects every two to three years. Yeah, and even like the what was the the EP was Stoke Extinguisher, which is which is virtually a single, I think. Yeah, yeah, that is that is really strange. Any particular reason for that gap in their discography? Um, I really don't know. I I think this was around the time when Mike's drug use really moved from recreation to concerning sure i think this is around the time of the first um what do you call it intervention i think the first intervention they had would have been around this time that's interesting and i suppose i suppose that makes sense with some of the uh the the topics covered here you know like i don't like me anymore does sound like a post-intervention song yes and also the next thing that they released was uh this is in october and towards the end of the year on december they released the hepatitis bathtub accompanying um ep right yeah so the book's coming out around this time and around the book's time, this period was when, yeah, they held the first intervention for Mike. And Mike sort of wheedled his way out of going to, I mean, he did go, he did go sober, like he did go to like rehab and stuff eventually, but not not for a while. And this one, I believe the problem was, was that he wasn't eating dinner. He was drinking neat. He was drinking like, martinis which is basically just straight vodka and he was doing a valium before gigs and he was before gigs yeah yeah my my understanding of valium as someone who likes to go clubbing and raving and stuff like that you take a valium at the end of the night so you can go to sleep on ecstasy that's what valium's for it's not for like perking you up before a live show I have no idea. Um, this is what, yeah. That's and then, crazy. Yeah. And then, uh, and so he said, well, what I'll do is I will eat dinner. I will drink mixed drinks instead of neat vodka. And I will take half a Valium. <laughs> he stopped fucking up at the shows. Everything worked out. So everyone went, oh, okay, fine. That's his version of it. Um, I later found out that Smelly in particular was not particularly impressed with this because he's like, I remember when I got told I had to stop doing heroin or be out of the band completely. Yeah. So, but, you know, they're, they're different drugs, but same results, <laughs> I guess. But uh, that's, we're not here to judge on uh, people's, um, people that we don't know and their uh, chemical dependencies, etc. So, also, I, I do hear that heroin is a little stronger than a Valium. Oh, yeah. It's certainly stronger <laughs> than half a Valium. Um, yeah. No, it, it, it's, not, it's not apples and oranges, but I think, no. um, I think it was Mike's reaction to it because, well, because Smelly had been through like 12-step and stuff like that, 
He's mm. like, yeah, you see, what you're doing there is rationalizing, Mike, and that is, in the program, we refer to that as a bad thing. So, you know, it's, I get it. Uh, I can see where both of them are coming from. But apparently it's carried on fine until then it didn't. And we do get a little bit of that, but we get some um, references to these kind of things in the album. So should we, should we, should we go into the album? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because because uh, we we've been edging you lot enough. We'll do, we'll actually talk about this fucking record now because it's uh, well worth it. So, I mean, we're coming back to that old favorite of uh, is the opening song a fucking banger though? And the answer with this is just a resounding yes. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I don't. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's up there with linoleum for brilliant opening tracks to a NoFX album. Honestly, it's, it's also uh, a track that has come up quite a bit when we've been doing our interviews and asking people what their favourite NoFX track is. Six Years on Dope does seem to be potentially in in the top ten, maybe even top five. No effect songs for a lot of people. I think it's a late era classic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and do you know what I think? Because this was the first thing that was released from it. The first thing you got, and the and the video was just Mike and Melvin walking down a street, mm-hmm. lip syncing to it basically. On Mike, Mike bought a selfie stick and just filmed it on his phone, and then sent the video off. And someone put like effects on the video and bits of drawing and bits of lyric and stuff change the colors and, and all that kind of thing and it's a great video uh-huh. but like people i people who i hadn't spoken to about no effects in years literally got in touch with me to say have you heard the new no effects song it's a fucking banger like that's how and especially after for um self-entitled when people were going oh you know it's like when yeah. you sort of it's like when you see a dog you like that can't really wash itself anymore people had that kind of feeling i think anyway about it from self-entitled because it's like yeah i guess but that song was yeah well you know that it was like oh, no no no. there were still some signs of life it was like it was like literally saying they still have some good days though they still have good days <laughs> like it was there was this real fucking sinking feeling about no effects as i recall they come out with this and everyone's like whoa finally yeah absolutely so good and I think a lot of it is, you know, like uh, they're finally making, I mean, you know, as you said, three music videos from this. And the previous album, I don't think had any music videos. I think they released maybe Sid and, not Sid and Nancy, uh, Ronnie and Mags as a single. They, re- um, they released a couple of things like online, like a couple of like downloads available and stuff like that. But I don't think they did a video. I don't know about videos. Yeah, I think Six Years on Dope had a video. Oh, Oxymoronic had a video. Yes, Oxymoronic uh, had a video. I didn't. Did, was with I don't like humor. me anymore. Had one as well. I don't know. I don't think it did actually. More video. No. Ah. No, no. It just. Uh, it was just just released. Probably, probably like a seven inch or something like that, without any sort of real ceremony. But um, yeah, oxymoronic. I think it was college humor, wasn't it? Or funny or die. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was one of the. I get those two mixed up a lot. But yeah, they they did a they did a sort of a 
a full production video. Um, mm-hmm. But we'll get to that. But yeah, six years on dope. Melvin's voice sounds so fucking good on this. The best Mel yell, I think, in NoFX Studio history. Absolutely. And he, and he only got used more and more from there. It was yeah. just so good. Uh, songs about Smelly being a heroin addict. Um, oh, is that what it's about? It's about it's about Smelly, yeah. Right. That makes so much sense. Because I've always yeah. kind of like been like, oh, I didn't know that. I don't think they were either of them were really on heroin. But of course, mm-hmm. it's about Smelly. Yeah, it's about Smelly. Dogpatch Wino is the name of the uh, the gang he was in. The sure. Dogpatch Winos, him and um, Mark Curry of Perfect Government fame, and uh, who El Jefe was in his uh, backing band, and then Mark Curry convinced him to join No Effects. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, but it's it's so good. There's reference to the uh, the the fish tank cleaning chemicals that he took to cure the clap. Sure. There's all sorts of stuff. It's just lot. It's just sort of, I spent six years on dope and here are all the things that are wrong with me now, uh, which is, uh, but it's just great. It's, it's relentless. It's got that. It's when Mike and Melvin's voices blend together, it just sounds so good. Because mm. Melvin's got the sort of yelling, more hardcore verses, and then Mike does the 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 choruses with the the melodies in it, and also has a keyboard line underneath his vocals as well, which sounds great. Yeah, I was going to say there's a lot going on underneath the track that really pushes it over into being brilliant. There's like mm. some, I want to say like there's like a weird like a guitar effect going on, like almost like a, a like a a flanger or a phaser that's going yeah. on underneath. Um, but th- there's some really, really, you, you know, like like what I was saying at the start about this album having a lot of like flourishes and interesting stuff in the background. This is yeah. definitely one of those. Well, if you want to talk about flourishes, the first third of Happy Father's Day mm. is just flourish. Yeah. The... Uh, th- I'm always slightly baffled by this song. I like it, but it starts off with the sort of the the bass sort of weird jazzy thing and then this sort of mid-tempo sort of the band join in for about 4 seconds and then it goes into a a sort of a fuck the kids style riff. The riff yeah. sounds like it's off a surfer song. I I think this album has more in common with so long than people may think at first notice because yeah. you know like particularly starting this track with like you know no real gain no overdrive in the guitars mm. again quite like trebly um and then like late later in the album as well i think there's there's lots of like more like uh so longy bits but um i i really like this album because it it, it feels like it is referencing like every era of no effects i th- i think this is where and i think it has a lot to do with the passing of tony sly mm, yeah i think this is where mike suddenly gets nostalgia as hell he starts looking back there's always been a sort of a, a look back i mean there's a song about 
the Sex Pistols and the Reagans. Yeah. It's the same song, sure. But we we are looking back. We're looking sort of there's stuff about there's like California drought and oxymoronic, mm-hmm. which are sort of very about where Mike is at that time and that place with um with his uh with his uh, substance issues and all the rest of it. But there's also looking back, there's uh, I don't know how autobiographical Deadbeat Mom is, for example. I don't know if that's just yeah. because I because I, I just don't know. I don't think he considered his mum to be that. No. But certainly uh Happy Father's Day. His dad takes a bit of a kicking in that. Yeah. And and the, and there's no room for um is it or isn't it? Because he literally starts with fuck you, Paul Baquette. I'm glad that you're dead. So we're not really tiptoeing around the issue there. And it's a very sort of, and it's a very short song, really, for the lyrical content. It's a short song anyway. I think it's it's the shortest song on the album. Mm -hmm. Uh, One minute 14. But uh, it does have, it has a really, really good fuck the kids slash surfer riff when the when it when it sort of kicks in which i really really like and yeah but there's there's not much to say about it because it is so there's nothing really to dissect it's literally just saying you were a bad father and i resent you and i think you're really really right for saying how much this album is about looking back Mm. and i think you can see that like reflected in the album artwork because obviously that's quite like an olden days image yes and uh, i can't help but feel like that's been chosen on purpose um given like some of the subject matter of the songs yeah i think it also matches up with a little bit with the um uh, bye bye biopsy girl intro Mm -hmm. with that the sort of street performer thing yeah it's uh yeah it's strange i think that yeah it's it's there's nostalgia there's nostalgia and there's also sort of whatever the opposite of nostalgia is <laughs> look lo- looking back but with a sort of shit colored glasses i, I was don't just going to say shit tinted glasses shit tinted yeah. glasses yeah absolutely so yeah i think that might be <laughs> might be what it is in some cases anyway but um but yeah then we get on to <clears throat> what might be my favorite song on this album oh Sid and Nancy yes I cannot get this song out of my head. Yeah, I've had it stuck in. Uh, of all the songs in this album, that is the one that gets stuck in my head. That is, and, and I'm not upset that it's there. No, no, absolutely not. But, you know, I felt the same about Ronnie and Mags. Oh, really? Yeah, that really got stuck in my head as well. And I, I do think that's just the Reagan songs, songs you really like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's... Uh, I. I I don't find that with Ronnie and Mags, I've got to say, but this one, I mean, I mean, I never do this, but I've been instead of this is like the opposite of my skip song. Like I skip backwards to listen to it again. Sure, it's it's so tantalizing. I think the it it is the catchiest fucking thing. It's there's no fat on it, even when there is a jazz breakdown in the middle. There is no fat on it. Yeah, it, and it's it's another one of those where, like, I think it's a real triumph in Mike's songwriting for like 
it actually doesn't repeat itself as much as you first think. I remember when you first pointed out that the linoleum barely repeats itself. And I was like blown away because in my head, it, it it's a pretty standard song because everything is where it should be. Yeah. And this is another one of those, like this, everything in this song is exactly where it should be, but it, it isn't as repetitive as you first think. It's actually a very interesting um, uh, piece of music. It yeah, and and I lo- I love the the layers of vocals. The it it's just so beautifully done. The the way that all of the different melodies and counter melodies pile up on top of one another. It's all going on, all at once, um, and it just sounds so good. I just from the intro, the first thing that when your opening line is just like the Kennedys killed Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, it's like, all right. Yeah, if that if if a TV show started like that, you'd be like, yeah, go on then. Yeah, I'll, I'll watch the pilot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, you totally would. You'd just be like, yeah, go on then. This is my kind of schlock. Love this shit. And I think uh, again, like Karina's vocals on this, I think are brilliant. Mm. I think the made it look like an OD is yeah. delightful. It's also got some much, but and I know we 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 spoke about this on the podcast loads, but it's always worth repeating, like. Mike's bass playing is a lot better than it should be. And there's some yep. really, really interesting bass work on this track. There is uh, in that little jazzy breakdown. And you've got uh, you've got Hefe's trumpet soaring over the top of it as well. Mm-hmm. It just sounds great. It's almost like a tiny microcosm of no effects. Yes, I agree, actually. Yeah, in, in that it's sort of like, you know, it's about, you know, it's got the whole punk history elements mm. of it. But then also like musically, it shows off each of their best work yeah and there's some great octave chord work from melvin in there as well mm-hmm. it's like and the drumming's just just whip tight as always and i and i what i love about it is it is one of those sort of alternate history things that is just it's just great you're just like yeah what what if this was a conspiracy theory and it's yeah. literally because the pr- one president's wife was called nancy <laughs> and that's purely it and i love that I think it's yeah. just. It's... I mean, like, so I've done like I've done so much reading on you know the death of Sid Vicious and all of that. I, I read like a full book on it, and I think it was only a couple of years after the book where I realised, oh yeah, but that is probably just like biased propaganda who's been written by a, a punk who loves a good story. Yeah. Um, and my understanding, like, basically what they are trying to suggest is by, um. Nancy's campaign for the tightening of drug controls. Um, There's a a conspiracy theory that they actually flooded the market with harder drugs so that it would kill people off and actually scare people away from drugs. So, Oh, yeah, the the CIA uh, introducing crack into uh, predominantly black um, neighborhoods and stuff like that, and supposedly, the, which I think did happen, but yeah. the heroin that did kill Sid Vicious was like you know incredibly clean cut, where a lot of heroin previously hadn't been, and it, it, it you were getting suspicious. a lot of skag for your buck. Yeah, you were you were suddenly getting like ninety percent pure heroin when it, it previously yeah. just so you just couldn't get that in, in yeah. the West. You're, you're taking you're taking the same sort of amount but the purity was that much that you were upping your dose 
to a sort of a, a ludicrously lethal amount. And and I genuinely like I've read a lot about the death of Nancy Spungen, and I, I am super. I have no idea who who killed her. I do agree that it seems unlikely that Sid did, but I also think it is possible that Sid did. Mm. I I think the more interesting question is who who killed Sid because it it seems unlikely that he killed himself because of just how off his tits he was. It seems to be a suggestion that his mother did it and the police didn't really care to work the, out. Yeah, that, that's that's a popular one, which is that his mum was like, my... Well, I've heard sort of one version where it's like, oh, my baby boy can't go to prison. It's kind of to oh. off him. Oh, I thought it was more like my baby boy just really wants his heroin and I'm going to help him give him some heroin. And then the heroin just happened to kill him. I've heard but, that one um, too, yeah. But yeah, you know I mean, who, but who knows? Yeah. Do you know? Uh, do you know who the last people were to see Sid Vicious? No. The Misfits. Really? He stayed at their house, and and uh, their uh, mum made him spaghetti and stuff, and they took him back. It, when when um, when his mum flew in, or wherever, he, she stayed at yeah, stayed with Jerry only and uh, and Doyle, <laughs> which is why. Yeah, I know it's mad, isn't it? Which is why. Um, which is why uh, Jerry only had Sid Vicious's leather jacket, which is now in the Punk Rock Museum in Las Vegas. Because uh, when uh, Mike called him up and said, uh, "Have you got any cool misfit stuff we can put in the museum?" He goes, "Yeah, I've got Sid Vicious's jacket as well. If you want, that seems like the sort of thing you'd probably want in the Punk Rock Museum, right?" Definitely. He's is. like, "Yes, can we have that? Why do you have it?" He goes, well, "His mum gave it to me." She's like, "I, I don't want this. I, I, I can't look at it." <laughs> so it's so it's just just in a like a, in a fucking workshop in New Jersey for fucking forty five years. It's crazy. Yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, I I do you know this has been pushing nearly all other no effects songs out of my out of my top lists. It's how much Sid and Nancy has has got to me. That's um, so interesting. It like, really it is. is. It is good. It is good. It is, and and it's weird because there's other songs on here that I'm sort of slightly more connected to, which we will get to. But mm. for whatever reason, this is just it's just I'm charging it no rent, and it will continue to live here for as long as it does. But yeah, that's been a, a highlight. Uh, and then uh, moving to uh, the f- the first song about Mike's chemical dependency, California Drought. How do you feel about this one? I right, okay. I think this might be. It's potentially my favourite track on the album. I, I think, nice. I think this is a brilliant track. There's something about this track that it does feel derivative of previous No Effect songs, but it feels like they've like refined it here. Yeah, it, it feels like a song that Mike could have only written here in his career. I, I don't yeah. think that he would have written this song neither, you know, like topically or musically before now. I think it's got really interesting arrangements that are also somehow quite simple um and to the point um i think it's got some really really lovely lyric work that feels very earnest like it, it feels genuinely how he feels it doesn't feel like he's trying to fit things because it fits in with the music or whatever this it feels like quite an honest song i think this one is yeah i there are because you know some songs like biopsy girl you know that's just 
it's just some fun it sounds like it just it doesn't seem like a sort of even though it's covering some heavy things it seems like it's either several people or or what have you but this california drought yeah i really like it i think i like how honesty is about how how annoyed he is at having to give up drugs yeah and like be sober he's like he's really fucked off about the idea because keep in mind he didn't uh stop anything until he'd finished recording this album so this is a speculation yeah i thought i yeah yeah this is what he reckons being sober is going to be like i mean he's got a mate there who's been sober for fucking years could have asked him but (laughs) equally he just went i reckon i know what being sober is like i reckon it's about sitting around being bored all the time and I'm sure as a sober person now, he can confirm that. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it, I mean, yeah, okay, it can be like that. But, um, you know, there are zoos to go to. Doesn't there matter. are zoos, yeah. There are zoos. So, um, so yeah, I, I really like this one. It's really, really catchy. Um, I love the harmonies on it. Yeah. And The guitar work for me, I think, is really great and interesting and very no yeah. effects. Yeah. It's uh, it's really great. Oh, I, I just want to echo what you said earlier about sonically. This is so good, and it is. It is. There are there are some similarities to Slap Fats, yeah, in this album. But because the production is so different, I think it's it's sort of disguised in a way. Yes, I agree. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, but it, but it just sounds so good. The guitars are sort of almost clean, but you just have them. They're, but they're so big. And I think, you know, uh, when we, what we said when we were reviewing Self-Entitled, we were like, Self-Entitled is the album that had to walk so that this album could run. Like, I can hear a lot of um, things that started with Self-Entitled, you know, like more 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 keyboard, more synth, uh, yeah. more electronic-y sounds. But here, they're like refined and actually sound good and, and fit here. And I don't know. It's just good. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think. Um, I think. Oh, this is interesting. Actually, what you said about even though California drought has got familiar feelings because of either topics or sound that he needed to get here, he could have only done this in 2016 mm-hmm. to have arrived here musically and personally. I think self-entitled may well fall short because it feels like a lot of those songs could have been written whenever. Yeah, absolutely. So it doesn't necessarily feel like um, Secret Society, She Didn't Lose Her Baby, um, I Believe in God. Like 72 Hookers, we're doing a... Yeah, we're, you know, seventy-two hookers. Which, even though I like it musically, could be on errorism though. Well, I mean, it, it's about it's about the you know the jihadi thing, which by twenty twelve wasn't really front page news anymore. No, it feels like it took eleven years to get to an observation that a lot of people had made earlier. That's just lyrically, musically, I quite like it. But yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, um, that kind of thing. So it feels like 
you know, the only one that feels of its time was I've got one jealous again, again. Yeah, I was going to say that one and potentially sell out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I agree. I mean, we're not, we're not trying to, you know, slag all of the, uh, uh, you know, pr- uh, any other album. But, you know, it's interesting because this is four years later, which is the longest we've had to wait for a full length after a full length. And this mm. is what we get. Now, the, where this album drops a little bit is that it is not a long time before we get to Eddie's eyes flicking over to the skip ahead button. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that is a metric that is there purely for me. I don't expect anyone else to go along with this, but we get to oxymoronic. Look, we, we're not saying it's a bad song. Because it actually isn't. And the times I did make myself listen to it, I enjoyed it more than I remembered. Yeah. It, I, there's just something about it. Like it, It's like a writing exercise. And he has done mm-hmm. very well with some of like the, the wordplay that's in this song. Like, absolutely has. But it's it's not very enjoyable to listen to. And I feel like that has something to do with the runtime. Yes, it's a bit ploddy. And also, it's really, really traditional song structure. Yeah. Well, it, and it, that I mean, doesn't it, often... it reminds me of like a Franco on American no effects. Which well, it's mid tempo is... as well. Yeah. But at least that's a lot shorter. I mean, this is almost four minutes long. Yeah, you you get virtually no change from four minutes, and and it feels like a sort of it feels like the sort of thing feels like the sort of sort of thing a comedian does when they go, uh, well, I've actually written a poem, and it is, it, and yeah. it feels like something you'd hear at an open mic night. Yeah, it does feel very cabaret e. I. I kind of can't help but think like I would like to hear an acoustic version of this song. I'm not sure if this is the best version of this song. It feels acoustic, doesn't it? Yeah. Because not much is going on. There's some nice backing vocals and stuff. Some of the arrangements are kind of fun. But there's there's also a bit um, where he just says linoleum is a floor on. Yeah, linoleum is the floor I'm on, yeah. Mm-hmm. We really needed something to rhyme with oxymoron. I know. It's like, are you trying to remind us of much better songs? Because there are places <laughs> to do that. Um, <laughs> fine, fine, whatever. Although at the end of it, there is a nice outtake of um, uh, about now your mum's house is hydroponic with, uh, I assume, Cameron Webb telling Mike to start writing better lyrics, which is very funny. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that is good. But uh, yeah, if this is your favourite song on the album, um, do please try to explain to us why. Absolutely, uh, yeah. Punkrockerlinkpodcast at gmail.com. I think certainly because Mike was dependent on pharmaceuticals rather than um, illegal drugs, I think that's why he felt so angry and annoyed. I mean... <laughs> I mean, you can tell how how pleased he was when uh, when he changed the word pharmacy to harmacy, and then realised he could also have a harmacist, which is funny. And then, 
they should and he also changes the the hip the the hypocrite the hippocratic oath to what is it um hypocritic or yeah. the parasitic i'm like oh you want both of those do you oh, okay. yeah 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 someone's having vanilla and chocolate ice cream in their bowl today aren't they i'm having a <laughs> scoop of each thank you um so uh you know that's it's but again fine i don't it's better than any song i've ever written so i'm not going to uh I think it is just the fact that it goes on for quite a long time. Yeah, I think it's just a verse too long. It's also... There's a a beautiful uh, balance of abstract that no effects work on very well. Mm. And this is very, very... There's, I mean, ironically... For something which is all puns, there's very little duality of meaning in the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you, you you can't be mistaken for what this song is about. And yeah, and I think that um, yeah, maybe you know, with a, a little a little more lyrical flair than um, you know. You can call me a CD cynic. And also the thing is, I don't know what a lot of these drugs are, so I don't really know. <laughs> like all of the, yeah. um, you know, if they were with like street drugs, I know what those are called. I, but I, I think all... for me, it's it's like you you get the point of the song within like the first few lines. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Pharmaceutical drugs are a bit silly, like when so many other drugs are made illegal and people go to prison for it. But like yeah. there's never at any point a um those themes don't develop they don't evolve like yeah it's just that for four minutes like you you get it within the first 10 seconds and then there's no deviation or uh, development it's the problem that comedy songs have Mm. like when a stand-up does a song and the chorus is the same each time unless that chorus is one line long yeah and very catchy and fun to sing along yeah then that is going to drag yes very true um you know so and that goes 28 times more if it is just changing the words to a pop song hello everyone eddie here red and i hope you're enjoying our show if you have been and would like to help us make it a little more easily then you can donate to us at our coffee page which is ko-fi.com forward slash punk rock elite or you can look in the show notes for our link tree. If you can't help us financially, we totally understand, but would love it if you spread the word to other people who would like this podcast. We thank you for your continued support. We massively appreciate it. Back to the show. I don't like me anymore. Yeah, and I feel like this is the other side of the coin of the same song. Like, I, I feel like sonically, these two songs sit right next to each other. Like, there's there's something that's quite like I, I find oxymoronic and I don't like me anymore to be quite similar songs. Mm. Uh, I think from a production standpoint, um, and tempo I'm, as well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I much prefer, I don't like me anymore. Oh yeah. Uh, but I think that might be just cause it's a minute and a half shorter. It is, but I do like it a lot. I like, um, it's, it's a very reflective one. And also, to be honest, what I've said about it being very on the nose and no duality, this is as well. But, mm. but it sort of, it, it starts off, it, it's a lot of things of, and it is very, very sort of samey. It treads the same ground from one verse to another. But because it is direct, 
experience rather than a sort of clever snarky takedown of the you know pharmaceutical industrial complex (laughs) it seems to be a lot more specific and personal to mike whereas you know a lot of people could make the observations that mike is making in oxymoronic and 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 indeed have done it's interesting that uh mike is he's down as doing keyboards on this album i wonder if he did the keyboard work on this track or like which tracks he did do keyboards because a lot of people have been cited as doing keyboards on here yes i assume that unless they are specifically like on this one oh yes yeah, yeah like this is joey balls brilliant name joey joey balls piano on sid and nancy and i don't like me anymore um you know chris matthewson is keyboards on generation z which i will say for uh in honor of our american listeners um because my natural inclination would be to say Zed. So, you know, there are, and Matt Garney uh, keyboards on California Drought. So I assume if they're not on those things, then he did them. Or yeah, so he thing. probably did It Ain't Lonely at the Bottom. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, so, you know, I, th- I don't like me anymore. I think... Um, I think it is, a, is, and it's also another aspect of California drought as well. It's uh, was I, was it something that I said? Did I, was I having too much fun? Yeah, it's like did no, I, I mean that someone's head. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean that. I mean the euphemism there for having too much fun is was I too fucked? Because <laughs> uh, Mike, uh, Mike has for a long time been the the most annoying thing I found about him is his sort of insistence that the idea of unless you are on drugs, you can't be having fun. <laughs> and it's like, really? It's like, it, it seems like a really teenage attitude to come out of the mouth of a man who is comfortably in his 40s by this point. But, you know, what are you going to do? So... I like that one, but uh, and we get to track number seven. It's about halfway through now. I'm a transvest light. Yeah. Now, this was kind of formative for me because I was like, wait a minute, I'm one of those. <laughs> yeah. So that was good. And then I found out I wasn't actually one of those. I'm non-binary. But, uh, but don't worry, Mike gets into the thorny topic of non-binariness on a later album. Oh, does Don't he? worry. Yeah, he does it very badly, but don't worry, he'd still do it. No, it's fine. Um, uh, no, no, oh, no, I do know which track you mean. He doesn't do it badly, he does it clumsily. <laughs> which is the same as badly, but without the uh, without unpleasant intent. But, 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 um, but also, you know, like, because I know, like, a lot of different people, like, listen to this podcast and everything, and, yes. like, um, I would like to make clear, you know, like, whatever name you use to describe your gender diversity is perfectly reasonable and it is a personal oh, decision and yes yes um i think mike is just as valid as as any you know uh i, th- I think because of like the way like um pride stuff has moved forward in recent years i think a lot of people seem to think that non-binary and trans identities are valid and people on the sidelines of that are not and i definitely mm. don't subscribe to that i think nor do i all, all, all identities are wonderful and unique and brilliant. And um, 
I'm super, super happy that Mike has been able to put his thoughts down on paper for this because I think mm. it rings true for a lot of people. And I yep. think it really widens the conversation because he, he doesn't feel at home with any particular letter, I think, of the LGBTQ plus alphabet, apart from potentially maybe Q being like a catch-all term for queer. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, you know, he so clearly is a, par- a part of our community. And I, I think this is a really brave song. I think it's an interesting song. Mm. Um, and I think particularly to people that don't, uh, use these words and are a part of the community. I think this is a really easy introduction as to like who he is and how he feels about himself. Absolutely, yeah. It's uh, it, it it certainly had a marked impact on me, and I thought it was uh, it was uh, very uh, cool and exciting. It's also a really good song, which really yes. helps. Which, if it which is if it was oxymoronic, but with these lyrics, I'd be like, "Oh, <laughs> fuck's sake!" I'd still be in the closet, going around. Hello, I am a man. Blah blah blah. It'd be awful. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I just the songwriting on this album is exceptional because, like, this is quite a tricky topic to, as you've said, like, not only get across in a fun musical way, but hmm. like, I think it it also is still fun like it still isn't taking itself too serious which is what we all love no effects for like it yeah it's still a very silly song it's great yeah it the 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 absurdity of it is you know play i mean you know he looks like a cross between adele and charlie chaplin like it's great the the imagery of that is beautiful because like and i do want to say this for again for for people that may not be a part of the lgbt spectrum or whatever like gender is very silly like it's yeah. a very silly thing no one no one should take gender too seriously like no it is quite silly and it does get in the way and it it should be ridiculed and and laughed at and you know there is there is a the, I, I have a, a dreadful habit i have a few things that when i'm driving i will say at people as not not like shout them but say possibly just in my head as i drive down the street and there are people there on either side uh one i picked up from scott ackerman of comedy bang bang which is anytime i see anyone i'm wearing glasses while i say this by the way anytime i see anyone walking down the street wearing glasses i just think that ah, fucking nerd just because it makes me laugh because it's a funny thing to think but also if i see anybody it, even vaguely uh uh you know um with a gen- gender nonconformity, I was going. All right, gender. It's just, it's just, you know, it's just one of those things. I may well be wearing a skirt while I say it, but it's you know, it's just one of those things that is <laughs> is a lot of fun to do. Um, I recommend uh, being friends with somebody properly before you say things like that to them, because it's not always <laughs> taken as intended. But broadly speaking, red is correct. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. You should definitely, you know, like get to know people before you like uh, make, make fun of them directly to their face, I think. Yeah. But like... And do you know what? That doesn't even just apply to gender. <laughs> that applies just across the spectrum of making fun of people. I just think that the culture war has made us think that these topics are super serious and should only be spoken about in the most uh, intense of, of, of 
tones but yes. but you, you can only do it if you're silly. stroking your chin and if yeah. that chin contains a beard that is dyed pink Absolutely, yeah. It's that kind of uh, <laughs> kind of thing, and it really isn't. It absolutely isn't. No. Um, but the one thing that both Red and I can uh, assure everybody is that um, uh, a lot of times comedians will go, "Oh, you, you can't joke about anything." It's like, well, no, you can't because you don't know anything about it. It's like it's the same reason that you know I don't do jokes about chemistry. I don't know fucking anything about chemistry. It's like <laughs> all the jokes would be bad, and people who knew anything about it would go, "It's not very good." That I'm being banned. I'm being cancelled by the chemists again. You know, it's just uh, it's one of those things. So uh, no one, and also the uh, starting a joke on an on an inaccurate premise is uh, one of my least favourite things. <laughs> so uh, I remember seeing someone years ago. Remember uh, when uh, the Atkins diet, it's called keto now because men do it, but um, the Atkins <laughs> diet, yeah, Atkins is what your auntie does to go to her daughter's wedding. Keto is what bros do to get swole. Um, but um, it's the same thing. But people would talk about, you know, comedians would go, oh, it's supposed to be like a caveman diet, you know, just saying things that they'd heard. You go, oh, yeah, yeah that's right. Because if you just eat a carton of ice cream, you're going to lose weight. I'm like, well, no, you can't because there's sugar in that. It's carbohydrates in it, mate. You've undermined your own fucking premise. So, uh, but, and then everyone goes, that is funny, that. That is what Atkins is, ice cream. <laughs> Come on, girls. We all know we're not. Anyway. Um, but yeah, I, but, but also this song, this song features Fletcher uh, from Pennywise doing backing vocals on it. Because he thought this was the punkest thing he'd heard in years, he uh, he was like, "Yeah, this is fucking punk as fuck, mate." Going around telling people you wear dresses—that's going to piss everyone off. I love it, <laughs> <laughs> and it did. I've seen people on um, on apparent on the uh, on apparent no effects fan pages saying, um, "Why does Mike wear a dress?" And loads of people went, "Well, he's explained why he wears dresses in in at least one song, if not more, in various interviews." And this guy replied with, no, it's because he's sucking up to all the transgenders to get their money. I'm like, mate, have you met any transgenders? <laughs> Not a fucking flush lot of people, I can tell you that much. There's what? <laughs> fucking Susie Izzard, Laverne Cox, outside of that, everyone else is going, fuck me, I could, oh, a bit skint at the moment, i got to say. But, you know, also, you know, there's loads of previous songs where he's like name-checked transgender people as, you know, like, his community you know like i'm thinking yeah. like Le- leaving jesus land on leaving jesus land is a very very clear inclusion of trans people hmm. yeah it's it's not a new thing it's just in fact it's definitely not a new thing it's one of the oldest things about mike yeah mike mike was mike was a transvestite transvestite before they were a punk yeah, you know. But I, like, also, look. I, I, if you're before, getting annoyed but... at something that you know Kurt Cobain and Nicky Wire did in the nineties, then just yeah. grow up, like. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, can you, yeah, it's something Kevin Rowland did on his solo album. <laughs> but it's it's um it's one of those things. It's it's like if that if you are that upset about it, just ask yourself why. What what yeah. what what bit of your day is being ruined by that existing? And you'll probably find the answer if you're honest with yourself. Anyway, I'm a transverse light. Super important song to me, um, but has been eclipsed by alternate punk history. 
sadly on this album. But I I I like Transverse Light. It's um yeah. And and the music on it is great as well. It's catchy. It's um yeah, really, really good. But yeah. Uh Ditch Effort. One of the most like hardcore songs on this album, I'd say. Really is. It's um it's up there with like Happy Father's Day in the riff yeah. section. And um and it's also um yeah, it's it's got the, the fuzzy vocals and everything, you know, none of it's none of it's clean. It's a really understated song, but I really, really like it. And I think it's um I think it's placed between two of the catchier poppier songs. Yeah, it's all, it's, all, it's definitely there as like a palate cleanser, isn't it? Mm. Um, and I'd love to hear this one live. Yes, it's weird that this is the title track. Yeah, it feels yeah. like it feels like like it's not an event at all. D- is there any story behind the the album name? Because it's I can normally I normally understand why No Effects have called their album what they've called it, and this I'm I'm at a complete loss. Now, I think it's connected to the 60% concept. Yeah. And I think that there might be a couple of reasons. My theory is that, and we'll get there, so I won't talk about it in too much depth, but I think the death of Tony Sly had a profound and lasting impact on Mike. Mm-hmm. And so I think the way he I think his outlook on life may have been affected to the extent where he's like well I'm going to start wearing these dresses. All these happened at roughly the same time. I don't know whether he started dressing like that before or openly dressing like that before or after Tony passed away. But around this time, a lot of things were going on. Um, he's sort of, you know, his divorce is behind him. He's currently with another, he's, he's married. Uh, he's living a bit more of a, a sort of a fetish life thing because mm-hmm. he's with, a, you know, with a, a dominatrix. He is doing a lot things are moving in the right direction for him and then his friend dies suddenly unexpectedly no illness just passes in his sleep i think as a result of some sort of chemical thing so that's a that's a big thing and so i think it may be that this is a very honest a much more sort of honest and open and timely album than previous ones and maybe that's where it came from Mm, yeah if any of that makes sense i could be utterly wrong on the timings of things but you know and so unless of course unless of course that he just wrote a song called ditch effort and then thought the idea of a first ditch effort was a funny thing because yeah. it's the first time they've made any kind of an effort. And again, it comes from that. We don't really try thing, which I don't think really holds a huge amount of water. 
No, but it's a fun story. It's don't let the truth get in the way of one of those. Absolutely a fun story, but I don't think there's much to say about it other than I really like it. It is yeah, a very absolutely. sort of it's 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 heavy. It's um and it's yeah, it's the heaviest song on here, really. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so um, certainly musically. We got on to Deadbeat Mum. Yeah, which again, you you were like, you know, it's one of the catchier songs on the album. Mm. Um, I'd say these next couple songs, Deadbeat Mum and Bye Bye by Opsy Girl, are again like they feel a little bit so long to me. Yes. Um, Well, uh, not in a bad way at all. Well, by Opsy Girl has got that uh, monosyllabic girl. Yes. Sort of sister song kind of vibe to it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but yeah, I like it. And it's got the, um, it's got those, because uh, it says that Karina doesn't do backing, or it doesn't specify that she does backing vocals on there, but it sounds like her when you've got the bye-byes and stuff. Yeah. Doesn't it? So I don't know. It's I'm just going by the Wikipedia listings here. Uh, so I, I could be missing something, but mm. but the uh, yeah, Deadbeat Mum. Uh, yeah, it's it's one of the least standout tracks on the album for me, but I still like it. But there's just so many good songs <clears throat> on here that I think it, it gets it, a little bit lost. It it does, re- you know, like. Um... But even like the the album tracks, like I would say like these are just sort of like, you know, pretty standard album tracks for this album. They're still so much better than like anything that you'd find on self-entitled, in my sure. opinion. Oh, and uh, the uh, intro guitar solo is by Brian Baker of Bad Religion and Black Flag. Ah. So there's something fun on here. I think maybe that was, it might have been, but... Um, a lot of people are involved in this because, you know, a, a few of them are there because of the Tony Sly song. Some, I like quite a lot of them are there because of Generation Z. But I think, um, I think it feels like they're sort of trying to make some memories with their friends as a part of this record as well. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's my thinking of it. But yeah, I like uh, I like of the two, Deadbeat Mom and Bye 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 Opsy Girl. I like Bye 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 Opsy Girl more. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Um, but again, it's sort of maybe some of the least least weighty songs. But they're still they're really really fun to have and um, and really catchy. And it's just yeah, what is it biopsy, bilingual, bipolar, and bisexual? just realized that lots of things were by so he put them in <laughs> but they're pretty fun pretty fun uh it ain't lonely at the bottom one of my favorites on here um mm. i really really like this track it's nice and short it's got a great keyboard line to it yes it reminds me again you know like what i was saying earlier about uh, self-entitled sort of like starting a new era of no effects and and how I think they've they got it right here that they, they started with it in self-entitled like I feel like this is a song that's you know it almost a sister song to uh, sell out from self-entitled but I, I think yeah a, a little a little better um, yes and it's it's one of those celebrating 
you know, being a loser, celebrating, you know, being, it's a bit like, it's got a similar sort of vibe to like, um, what's the one? First Call. Yeah, I was going to say, the what's the song? I think it's on Coaster um, about like, about him just having lots of time off. <laughs> I live like a king or something. I uh... Oh, it's uh, The Agony of Victory. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I define success as not working and I live like a king. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. Which again, I feel like that is a classic, like no effects, a little piece of no effects philosophy that I think echoes throughout there. Well, I mean, yeah, Mike has said on many occasions that he defines success as everyone being successful. If only one person's successful, that isn't success. Yeah. And so it's like, well, you know, maybe maybe one of us could be a lot richer. But if all of us are doing pretty well, it's better, isn't it? Yeah. That's the, that's the, that's the vibe. Uh, then we get to uh, another highlight for me, number twelve. Uh, I'm so sorry, Tony. Yeah, I like this is a song. Like, so I think it, this is great and brilliant and everything. I don't quite have as much connection to Tony Sly as I would have liked before I heard this song. Sure. So I, it, it doesn't quite hit me in the same way. I'm sure it hits so many No Effects fans, but it is undoubtedly a, a brilliant song and. Mm. Um, sad one it is very sad and it's and it's very earnest but it's also very very it doesn't feel synthetic in any way it feels very genuine and i i really really like it we've got joey cape singing backing vocals on it because uh, Joey and Tony used to do tours, acoustic tours together. They've released yeah. albums together and stuff like that. I, I really, really love No Use for a Name. I, I, I was very surprised when I found out that Tony Sly passed away. I was, I was pretty sad about it. But um, yeah, this was. Uh, I remember thinking, and also you've got uh, Karina singing on this as well because she sang on a few No Use for a Name songs. Mm-hmm. And uh, Elise Rogers, the other singer from Dancehall Crashes, was uh, their manager. No use for a name's oh, manager. Okay. So they, and I think they, I don't know if they toured together, but certainly, you know, they did, you know, uh, one of No Use for a Name's most popular songs uh, on the outside. Karina's vocals on that are, are intrinsic to the song. Super, super important. And, um, Having her just belt out over the top of it is is wonderful, and I I really really like this song. It's very difficult to talk about it without it just being sort of a bit mawkish and sad, but it's it's not a mawkish song. It's a sad song, but it's not a you know. It's sort of like like you could have. You know how sometimes when people go, well, this is a tribute to my friend, so we're going to have this as like acoustic because it means more. Mm. And it's like, mm, does does it though? <laughs> and it always just ends up sounding like every rose has its thorn by poison. Do you know what I mean? It's always sort of. <laughs> it's 
always like you know if, if if you're way better at writing punk rock songs than acoustic songs just write one of those instead and uh, do that and this one's got the but the presence of the piano and stuff doesn't feel out of place on this album at all no we've already had it on there it it makes sense that these are the songs that were written at the time and uh yeah there were a few there were a few songs uh paying tributes to tony sly released around this time i believe joey cape did one of his own as well um your man from useless id you know a fair few people around and obviously the uh the tribute album the songs of tony sly which is which is great by the way if uh, people want to listen to that one but yeah not much to say although I, I will say um when after tony passed no use for a name did a they were on the warp tour as no use for a name and friends and they just had other people from bands coming and singing songs that's great. And it is great. And one of the best ones was El Jefe singing International U Day, which there's a video of on YouTube. It's just recorded from the crowd, but it, the sound on it is incredible. And Jefe is absolutely brilliant. And um, so, yeah, so I, I thought that was uh, worth mentioning. And we get to the final song, Generation Z. What do you reckon to this one? Uh, I think it's good. And I think... The brilliance of this song is that on an album that is relatively quite nostalgia-focused, on the last song, they chose to look forward. And I think that that is artistically a very good decision. Yeah, I think so. I think it's uh, it stops it from being... It stops it from having the vibes of, like... Um, single and double album and stuff which are which are much more um like backwards in their view in their in their like in in what they're focusing on i'm sure i can't find the right word yeah and quite introspective i think thank you and i feel like this is what stops the album from becoming old men yell at cloud um yes you know like it has perspective Yes, and I think it's. Um, I, I always felt that this song was quite um, nihilistic. Yes. However, once you get past the first section, there's actually quite a lot of op- there's some thinly veiled optimism. There's like there's he's not they've not given up there's potential for something all right to happen. It could, it could be okay, but stuff's going to have to change for that to be it, which is, which is fine, which is better, you know, a, a realistic optimism rather than a sort of, Oh, I don't know. Maybe it'll be fine kind of approach. So. Yeah. It's it, to me, it's like, it's almost a sister song to like Mattersville, but like if you change the chorus to, we won't live long yeah. <laughs> together. Well, no, I don't. I, th- I think, yeah, I think it's sort of. To be honest, I think he's thinking this is going to happen after he's gone. Oh, absolutely, but, yeah. But yeah. Um, no, but, more from the the, the kids' yeah, perspective. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think so. But um, I think it's, I think it's sort of a, a warning rather than a, an absolute mm. prophecy. Mm. 
It's, uh, but yeah, I think it's okay. It's not one that I sort of race to listen to again. No, it, it's not one that I would listen to outside of the context of the album. No, it, it's not really like a song that by itself uh, I will ever really listen to. But I, I think that it it really fits here as a part of this yeah. uh, full piece of work. Ain't getting on no playlist of mine. <laughs> because uh, because this this album has got so many songs that would fit on a playlist beautifully. Uh, it doesn't have yeah. to be. But I, th- I think it's also maybe maybe the most consciously album track mm. that I can think of as a no effect song. One that is not designed to be played live. Yeah. Yeah. Because it involves it involves the, the viola, it involves a, a you know a guitar lead by by a Foo Fighter, and in fact a former member of No Use for a Name. I've only just clocked that. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, and also, you know, the the his daughter and Tony Sly's daughter doing backup vocals, his uh, stepdaughter uh, doing the poem and stuff. So I don't think this was ever designed to be done live. Is my theory no. anyway. So, but then a lot of their songs aren't. And also, you know, you're not going to not play Bob and play this one instead, are you? That's I, I not... think a lot of this album hasn't been designed to play live. I think it's been engineered in a studio, uh, you know, outside of six years on dope. I, I don't think that any of these songs have found their way into like a regular NoFX live rotation. No. I know he's played I'm So Sorry Tony as yes. Koki the Clown. Right, sure. And in fact, I think they did do I'm So Sorry Tony. The first time I heard it, it was uh, a little club show video with Karina playing the piano on it and stuff. So I think they have played it live, but I don't think it makes it into their... They're not doing it on their 40 song thing, you know. Yeah. I don't think... The last couple, they're just going to fling in first ditch effort as a full album playthrough. So, <laughs> which is a shame because I think they sort of, I think it feels like, what's the last? I mean, they, I think they have threatened to play self entitled in full live. Yeah, I wondered if that had happened. I had that in the back of my head that I think, I think that had happened. I think like, I've, I've seen it on one of the posters. I yeah. can't remember because there was um, one one show where they changed it because smelly had practiced the wrong album <laughs> like he practiced wolves instead of whatever so he'd like they're like right well you put so he put a video on instagram going i'm really sorry but i thought we were doing this and it turns out we'd advertise we're doing that well i haven't learned that so we're doing this and a lot of people complained because of course <laughs> they did but you know so yeah it was uh it was a weird one but yeah first ditch effort yeah closing thoughts it's a great album i i Mm. I, I said it earlier i'll say it again i think this is the last great no effects album uh i say that as someone who actually hasn't really listened to single or double because i just uh, they aren't very good and i'm saving them so that i can listen to them first time for our album review and give it like a proper uh fresh look but this is is great and i'd be very surprised if they managed to top this in their like most recent albums 
spoilers they don't uh no <laughs> that, you, you might find that they do uh you know that's that's just the thing it's um well the next um the next big release that we're going to be talking about is not just no effects no it's going to be no effects and frank turner friend of the show frank turner check that one out if you haven't already <laughs> we're friends i say a thing he said very good so you know Frank Turner can't be wrong. According to some blokes in a Czech shirt I spoke to once. Uh, so, um, you know, that's uh, how that is. But uh, I think we can all enjoy, I think we can all breathe a sigh of relief after the time we spent with self-entitled that we're now allowed to sink into the lovely, warm, bubbly bath of first-ditch effort and enjoy. I remember thinking what a return to form this was. But you know what? I've actually heard a lot of people not enjoy this album. And I, oh, I would yeah, like, lots of people don't, yeah. I would like to hear from them. Like, if there's any particular reason why th- this album didn't gel with you, please do let us know, because it, it really did for us. But we yeah. we aren't the judge, jury, and verdict here. Like, everybody's Certainly allowed not. their own view. Punkrockelitepodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, let us know what your, what is your relationship to this album. Because you know, I mean, I said it's 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 not been out for long. It's been out for like seven years. So yeah, it's been out a while now. It's been out for a little while. Um, and again, is this one where you heard it, didn't like it, then heard the more recent stuff, and went, "Actually, First Ditch is pretty good." Because that happens a <laughs> lot, and that's okay. Um, sometimes, sometimes it takes a bit of time to come back to an album and go, "Hmm," which is why I was so excited about doing Heavy Petting Zoo, but. Mm. Um, doesn't always doesn't doesn't always work still first ditch efforts um yep highly recommended from here check it out and maybe one day i'll be able to sit in silence without hearing sid and nancy in my head but it is not this day thanks a lot red we'll uh, see you on the outro absolutely see you there told you we thought it was good it is good. It is good, though. This is one of the ones where normally uh, our whole line is, hey, you know, we're not, nothing's objective. You know, this is just our opinion, all that. Not on this episode. It, it's a good album. Fuck you. Yeah, yeah, really. We are. <laughs> I mean, I think of all, there are so many no effects hills. We can probably do an episode on those hills. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of this hill, this is the one that Red and I are going to be putting up our Iwo Jima flag. <laughs> I think this is first ditch effort slaps, and there's nothing that you can do about it. Nothing. Naps, really nothing. You, there are, you know, and we've also said the bits of it that we're not so keen on, but as a whole, it's all good. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's exciting. Have you got anything uh, coming up? Oh, well, I'm just a few weeks away from Panto now. You know, like, of course. I think, yeah. I think it's only two weeks away from starting Panto rehearsals. Uh, tickets are on sale. Um, if you've got a family uh, and you fancy some uh, entertainment for all ages, we'll be mm. doing a pantomime at Contact Theatre. It's Cinderella this year, the big one. Oh, is that um, the big one? Oh, that's the big one. That's is the big one. considered the big one? Oh, yeah. Oh, By okay. quite a margin as well. Really? Um, that's A tier, and then probably B tier. You've got your your 
it, well, it depends because different things cost different budget. Because you know, like Snow White, then you got a budget for the dwarves, and that's just a you've whole got different seven bracket. extra cast members. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then I... Aladdin is falling out of favor because um, in Britain we keep doing it with an all white cast and setting it in China, and it's just a bit weird. Yeah, I think. <laughs> there, I th- yeah, yeah. Um, uh, when I wrote my version of Aladdin, I I set it in uh, in Persia. Yeah. Because I wanted to nice. be the first person to introduce a minaret to the village I live in, <laughs> even though it was painted on a on a backdrop, uh, I, I still succeeded. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that was pretty fun. I, I always thought Jack and the Beanstalk was top tier. So uh, Jack and Beanstalk's pretty good. Yeah, that's probably that's that's pretty solid. Well, you got the um, best pantomime villain. You got Flesh Creep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It Who's depends. Sort of... He's like Iago, not from the Disney's Aladdin, but from. <laughs> But from Othello, he's like he's not the main bad guy, but he desperately wants to be. He's just motivated by just oh, it's great. It's it's it depends what budget you've got because like the giant right. can be quite tricky to do in the same way that in Peter Pan, like flying no. is quite tricky to do. Never show the giant, just a voice off screen. That's why you got flesh creep there. Yeah, it's not as good though, is it? No, it's better. <laughs> you, you want can, like a big can't... hand coming down or something? No, 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 no. Just just have massive furniture. In the scene where they go up to get all the gold, right? Yeah. And that's it. And also, what's brilliant is that none of the furniture is to scale. So you've got like a massive chair, <laughs> but then you've got a pair of boots that are like as big as the chair. It's it's great, you know. <laughs> I, I once saw a, a production of Beauty and the Beast, um, and it was the last day. So they were playing pranks on each other. Oh, and during favorite. Beast Transformation, he turns into this big angry beast and they've got Mm. like a vocoder on his microphone to make him sound angry Mm. but they just changed it so that instead of it going down an octave it went up to oh amazing so he's like oh i'm the beast i'm dead (laughs) grumpy and everyone in the audience like oh hark at madam (laughs) (laughs) that's brilliant love that uh now all i've got is um on friday uh, this is released on the Monday, the coming Friday. I'll be watching the Mefs in Huddersfield. Oh, great, great yes. band! So, a uh, friend of the show, uh, Lily Mef, I guess that's her name. It's like the Ramones. Great episode. If you've not listened to it, would, would oh, definitely yeah. recommend that. One of our favourites. Yeah, yeah, so good, so good, so good. And so, I'm looking forward to seeing them on the the Broken Britain tour. Is it? Something, it's something like that. I keep seeing the posters and I've gone slightly blind to them because the <laughs> algorithm has uh, just said, oh, Eddie likes the meths. Here are a lot of meth stuff that I've gone kind of meth <laughs> blind on social media. But uh, So if you are going to the Huddersfield one, uh, then, you know, and you and you notice me at all, ignore me. Watch the meths. Come on. But if they're not playing at that time, say hello. I'll be happy to see you. Uh, well, lovely. Thank you so much. And again, welcome to everyone who's joined us. Um, if you have any comments about anything that we talk about, or even just questions, punkrockelitepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you, Red. Thank you, Eddie. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to Punk Rock Elite. It was a Pick Scrapes and Fruitcake co-production by Eddie French and Red Redmond. If you're not following us on Instagram or subscribe to the podcast, please do. The main theme and production was done by Eddie French. Please contact us at punkrockelitepodcast at gmail.com. Thank you.